Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. Surely you've, you've done this before, right? My friends, you've, you you crack open like whatever packaged food bar because you're like, I just need the calories to keep going through the day. And as you're eating this thing, you're going like, what is going on in my mouth? Like what combination of definitely not from my kitchen natural ingredients combined to make this, uh, you know, Soylent Greed food bar I'm eating. And there is a, a move toward natural foods, real foods, things we can pronounce, right? Like the, there is definitely a, a cohort of the population that appreciates this, that wants this. And what's interesting is I think it has its, its origin in farmer's markets. And I love businesses that started in places where they were able to talk one-on-one -on -one with customers from day one. And so businesses that, that started in events, in farmer's markets, you hear a lot with this, um, are really quite fascinating to me. Because I say, like, you know, one of the best things you could do is talk to your customers. Well, you know, when you're one-on-one, face-to-face -on -one, -face in that environment, developing the product in real time with people you may be seeing you know, week after week, that's really quite an incredible experience that often leads to a really good product. And not all of them leave the farmer's market, and not everybody wants to. but those that do and succeed, I really think have an advantage over other brands that may have been developed, uh, maybe unknowingly, but in more of a vacuum. And so we're, we're, doing, we're joined today, uh, of course, by, by someone who's done this, Shopify merchant uh, Sheena Russell, who is the CEO and founder of Made With Local, is going to share with us her journey on staying true to her values while scaling fast with a, a food product, a, a consumer package good. It's a uh, Sheena Russell, made with local, based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and she is inspiring mindfulness and conscious consumption through storytelling and food. They make real food bars, is what they call it, and they're a certified B Corp. And so they're creating delicious snacks with social impact baked in. That's such a great, great tagline. Sheena, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I forgot to tell everybody who I am. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast, and I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. Sheena, welcome. <laughs> 
Thank you, Kurt. Uh, that was amazing. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No, oh, my pleasure. Okay. So I, I hope I, I didn't butcher it too much. You are from, uh, you're in Halifax. Yeah. And your brand is, is made with local, madeoflocal.com, correct? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And when did we start this venture? This venture started as a pure side hustle back in 2012. We were a little five foot table at the farmer's market, like you mentioned in your intro. And those early years, those first two years of being a weekend market vendor were honestly the best, you know, pun intended, market research any budding CPG founder could ever dream to experience, right? Like you said, we're face to face with hundreds of customers every single week, watching how they react to our prices, to our flavors, their real-time feedback about the sample that they have in their hand, um, their ideas about future innovations. Like it was just such a fertile time, I think, in the company. And we really approached it with our ears and eyes wide open. Um, and it was a yeah, an incredible start and a really important part of the the story of Made with Local. So 10 years ago, you've got this, this bar and you're, you're selling it locally at a farmer's market. How long does that go on for? We were at the farmer's market from 2012 to 2014. And those early years were us on Saturdays going to the farmer's market, uh, bringing our products there. And then on our way out of the farmer's market, picking up the ingredients from other farmer's market vendors that we would then take to our friend's cafe after hours on Monday nights, bake into bars, and then bring them right back to the market the next week. And this very like circular economy sort of concept was right at the advent, I think, of the local food um, trend. I want to don't want to call it a trend, the movement uh, that perseveres today. Um, in 2012, that was really picking up a lot of steam in our corner of the world. So it was the perfect time, I think, to bring something this delicious, this nourishing, and this aligned uh, with those values um, into the world. So we were there until 2014. Um, and then I got pregnant by surprise. <laughs> so that put an end to the farmer's market days. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> but all right, so Tell me about this, the the original product when you're at that farmer's market. What What is the, help me understand what the thing you were selling was. We, to this day, uh, have been making these really beautiful soft baked bars made using as many local ingredients as we can get our hands on. And that means for us here in Canada, you know, Canadian grown oats, um, natural nut butters that we would source from small independent uh, nut butter companies. They do exist. Uh, our bars are also sweetened exclusively with local honey, which is another massive differentiator for us in the category. Most other energy bars are made with some kind of weird syrup or these no sugar sweeteners that are horrible for your gut <laughs> or um, dates. Those are kind of the three categories of sweeteners you see in, in our space. So honey uh, is our only sweetener that we use. And it's really uh, a really beautiful ingredient. And then of course, you know, dried berries and chocolate and things that we could find that we felt um, a strong connection to the supplier. That really was the governing force uh, on how we dreamt up our recipes uh, and brought these really delicious and, and good for you products to the market. And when you first, so the, the products you were selling 10 years ago, the same as, largely similar as what we've got today? Super similar. Like we have right now two, we just launched into Costco um, in Eastern Canada. And the two flavors that are in the Costco box are the same flavors that we brought to the farmer's market 10 years ago. Oh, 
That's awesome. And with many of the same suppliers, same local honey suppliers, same chocolate suppliers that are fair trade and organic certified. Like it's, we've been able to scale this, I think against, um, all odds. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the bars now, you know, I would say they're definitely more consistent now than they were in those early days when I was making them because I am not the best granola bar maker in the world, turns out. Um, and we've got an amazing team now who does it a lot better than I ever could. So <laughs> so when you're, you're first doing this by yourself in your kitchen, where's the idea come from? Like what, what has to break in someone's brain to go, I'm going to sell locally sourced granola bars at the farmer's market for the next two years. Right. With um, survivorship bias, like this, you know, 10 years later, this has worked out really well. It sounds like you're in Costco. But back then, you know, people probably thought you were crazy. I, yeah, I, if you would have told me in 2014 that we'd be in Costco a few years later, I would have also told you that you're absolutely crazy. Um, so not to go too back into the weeds, but my, my personal origin story is that I grew up on a small island in Eastern Canada called PEI. It's a farming community. I grew up on a farm. Um, and my dad's actually also a baker by trade. Um, so I have a lifelong history of being very connected to community agriculture and, baking um, and specifically grocery store baking because my dad runs grocery store bakeries. So a really unique perspective, even as a kid on connecting local food to retail. And then uh, honestly, the, you know, the aha moment for me was my girlfriend and I were kicking around after the gym one day and thought like, oh my God, there's all these crappy energy and power bars out there. Cause 2012, we did not have like the 50 foot section in your grocery store that had energy bars in it. There was cliff and uh, like power bars, which were super gross. So we just knew that <laughs> we could do better. Bars. I don't know how people eat those things. Yeah. I mean, they're OG. Don't get me wrong. Like they're the grandfathers of the category and I'm, that's like no shade at all, but we just knew that we could do better. Right. And I knew that given my um, connection and history and, and drive to be able to create something not that only tasted better, but also had this really beautiful story um, and impact uh, within it was, I just knew I could do it. Um, I had no idea again that we would ever scale to where we've been like this, us really going for it has been a last like three to four years phenomenon, I would say. But in those early days, you know, I always just thought that this was going to be a fun little side hustle until, you know, I got bored of it and decided to go on to something else. So (laughs) some days I'm as surprised as you are. (laughs) I think there's an advantage to when you start it, say like intentionally setting the bar a little low to take the pressure off and go, Mm -hmm. you know what, this is, this is something I want to try. And it's, it's for fun. I'm going to approach it like, um, like a hobby or interest. And then seeing where it goes, is that kind of how you started with it? Absolutely. And then we started to feel the pull from the market, right? And a lot of people around me who were entrepreneurs or in business would would say like, you know, this isn't, this isn't always the way this happens, right? Like this isn't normal to have started a business and then to have this massive momentum pulling into local retail and, and the growth that we were, you know, at the time not doing any outbound sales. Like we were getting everything inbounded and there was massive momentum in the business with very little sales or marketing effort on our part. So when I realized that we were onto really something really special and there was that product market fit, which is a term I now understand and, and, and know about, (laughs) um, it, it was like, okay, you know what, let's ride this and see, see where it goes. And, and that was kind of that kind of 2014 to 2016, uh, era of the business was very much like, okay, let's see, let's see what we can do with this. 
on this show, we, we talk about uh, looking for, finding, and absolutely leveraging the heck out of your unfair advantages. Mm-hmm. And in your case, it's it's your childhood experience. You grew up on a farm in an agricultural community with a parent who was a baker and selling into, it sounds like, um, like local grocery stores. And so there's a lot that you gain from that, like both uh, practical skills and seeing behind the curtain of uh, food supply chain. And they have a lot of respect for that. Like, you know, I live in Lake County. We surrounded by a lot of agriculture. Um, and so I'm, I'm like je- always jealous of the kids who like got to do 4-H. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just because I'm like, yeah, there's just so many practical skills that they got as kids. Absolutely. It's like normal to them that I missed out on growing up, you know, in the, the suburbs of Chicago Metro and Cook County. Um, the, not that I'm complaining about it. The, so like you, you've got this skill set and you go, all right, I'm, I'm going to approach this and I'm going to make this with local ingredients and then I'm going to try and sell it at a farmer's market. The surprising thing, you know, to everybody else was on your first go of it, right? This is, is this your first attempt at uh, at a business? Oh, absolutely. I like in a million years never planned to be an entrepreneur. Like I have an environmental science degree from a university in Nova Scotia called Dalhousie. And I was like well on my way to be rising through the ranks in uh a career of sustainability and environmental <laughs> uh, practice. So yeah, this was not the game plan for me at all. You start selling in this farmer's market and I guess it's really successful. Like what was the first indication where you went like, all right, this should be, we should do more with this. This can be more than a side hustle. That feeling that energetic pull from the market, getting inbound requests for retailers to carry them constantly, people asking for new flavors, people buying them by the dozen, not just by the two or three. Like we just started realizing, okay, yeah, this thing has legs. Um, Constant feedback again at the farmer's market. When you're there, you're seeing people's face when they try your product. And then they start telling you stories, which is like the real juice when you come to marketing, right? Somebody coming up and saying, you know, I've always just eaten Cliff Bar's religiously and I will never eat another one because I'm obsessed with your bars now and I buy them for myself and I buy them for my run club and I'm telling everybody I can get my hands on to come and visit you next weekend at the market. Like those sort of stories were not um, uncommon. (laughs) Um, So we knew at that point that if we could scale this thing, um, we would be onto something really special. And how quickly did that happen? Like you're at the farmer's market two years. How quickly do you have retailers like, can we have this? And you got people buying it by the case. For us, I do think it felt like very gradual growth. Um, Two years of the farmer's market followed by about four years of like regional steady growth. So then into, you know, pockets of grocery stores, um, growing our online presence. And it was pretty linear growth from that 2014 to about 2018. And then uh, in 2019, we put a lot more energy behind scaling our manufacturing, which has always been our, you know, uh, has been a challenge for us uh, until recently. (laughs) And that's not a problem anymore, which is great. Uh, But we, at that point, around 2018, 2019, started going nationally into the largest grocery chains in Canada. And that's when we really started to dial things up. So it was, you know, call it four to six years of quite a slow startup mode uh, for us. Were you working at this time? Like this is it, it's a side hustle or do you start like when do you start trying to make this a full-time thing 
Yeah. So I quit my job after I uh, finished my maternity leave, which is a thing that we get here in Canada for a whole year. Um, I had, I know. In the U.S., they're like, all right, 48 hours and then get back. Don't even get me started, Kurt. That's a whole other podcast rant that I could go on that probably doesn't belong on this one. But <laughs> um, we get a year maternity leave here, paid maternity. Um, and I did that until 2015. And then in 2015, when I was supposed to go back to that job, I decided to take a leap at Made with Local. So we had been in business at that point for three years. And then for another year, it was just me hustling with my baby in a bucket seat, you know, driving deliveries around and just kind of taking her everywhere with me doing it. And we hired our first employee in 2016, who's still with the company today. So. Oh, jingle bells when click up sales can grow your store today. Oh, what fun it is to make more revenue right away. I interrupt this podcast with breaking news. This holiday season, Zipify one click upsell, AKA Zipify OCU can increase your Shopify revenue 10 to 15% overnight. Created by the owner of a $165 million brand and trusted by over 12,000 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell helps boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. And with mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results, it's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $393 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to Install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free trial in time for the holidays, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech and so you've got this um, environmental science background. So like obviously sustainability is a focus for you the bar itself you've got you know, you're, you're selling it at a farmer's market and, and people love it so you've got you know you've product market fit there when does the the message start getting added to the product like the the message plus the product is then how we get to the brand right mm -hmm. how does that happen like when it on day one are you referring to it as made with local or Absolutely. Yeah. From day one, you know, we started up our Facebook page back in 2012. And that was from the very beginning. This is a purpose led brand. Like even before I think I even really had that language, this was going to be a company that stood for more than just, you know, a singular nutrition component or just being the least expensive. Like that's not interesting to me as a brand at all. I'm like, who cares to talk about that? Like, let's talk about people and community and connection and deliciousness and the way that food can nourish you in a way that's totally bigger and above and beyond just, you know, how many grams of carbs are in it or whatever. Um, so yeah, from the very beginning, you know, we made this rock solid commitment to source our ingredients as much as we possibly can from small sustainable farmers and food producers. And that was the bedrock for, um, for the brand starting on day one. So there's, there's two things going on here. We have a, we've got a, a, a great product, right? We've got this all natural product, which appeals to people. Um, and importantly, it, it really, it sounds and looks like it tastes great. And especially like if we think back 10 years ago to alternative options are much more limited then. And then at the same time, we have this message of, hey, this is made all locally, which dramatically reduces carbon footprint producing the, the product. And also uh, it helps keep our, keeps the dollars in the, the local economy. And so there's, 
there are warm and fuzzy feelings that go around with this messaging, and it is genuinely beneficial for everyone. But what's the important part there? Like, increasingly, I, I suspect people want to buy from brands that align with their values. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, I want a I want a good snack bar. Like it has to, you know, it has to be tasty. What's the important part here? Why are they buying? If it doesn't taste good, people are not going to buy it. Like, <laughs> end of story, right? Like that's a non-negotiable. And it is big mistake, I think, for any food or beverage founder to make to think that their customer is ultimately over a long period of time going to consistently buy your product if it doesn't taste good. Sensory deliciousness is the most important thing. I don't care what anybody says. It is. Uh, So we have to prioritize that, right? And luckily, that also goes very hand in hand with sourcing ingredients that are fresh and are real. And, you know, by virtue of us sourcing the type of ingredients that we do from farmers and food producers, the bars also taste amazing because it's just a familiar delicious experience like our peanut butter blondie bar that I have sitting right beside me right now. If you crack that open and take a bite, it tastes like a soft baked peanut butter cookie and you can taste the peanut butter really. And you can taste the sweetness from the honey and the crunchiness from the pumpkin seeds and the chunks of milk chocolate. It tastes like homemade, right? And we've really continued to prioritize that experience because it dovetails with the rest of the brand. Um, so I don't, it's not really those, those two concepts are integrated for us. We're delicious because we are made with care and we're delicious because we're made consciously and with mindfully and sourced ingredients. These aren't disjointed factors for us, right? It's cause and effect. Yeah. I like it. It's not something that you tacked on. It, It all goes together and that's what gives it all important authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is not, um, you know, you're not trying to manipulate people into feeling a certain type of way. When people give us, is what it is. Yeah. People often give us the feedback of our bars tasting very nostalgic to them. Like it reminds Mm -hmm. them of something that their grandmother would make. Like that is one of the best, one of the best compliments I think that we can receive. Um, because like who doesn't love feeling that, you know, connection to something warm and fuzzy. Right. And that's a very powerful, like marketing, um, moment as well. Right. If something makes somebody have that emotional connection, um, it's, you know, you can't ask for anything more than that. So that's some of my favorite pieces of feedback that we get is, is that nostalgic feeling. Yeah. tastes like grandma used to make. I mean, essentially it's like, hey, I'm going to sell you time travel, right? Like take a bite into it. You are going to remember this delightful moment in your grandparents' kitchen from when you were six. Absolutely. How cool is that? Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So right, like we have the initial success. We get our, our first customers at farmer's market. And so real easy to get those, those first local customers. At what point do you start shipping the stuff? We, in the very even earliest days of Made With Local, we had a pretty rickety old WordPress site that we were doing some pretty uh, elementary level e-commerce through. Um, And that was a way that we were reaching people. We even had a subscription service, like I think as early as like 2013 or 2014. um, And that we still have customers on a subscription from those days, believe it or not. Uh, And that was one channel that we were using to reach people. We also then started expanding out into, you know, local cafes, local health food stores. Once our uh, production capacity could keep up, that was our kind of first foray outside the farmer's market was in those, you know, 
local independent retailers, which no surprise, you know, they're really into what we're doing too. Um, so it just continued to really amplify the message. I think, you know, we, we had a lot of people on our side and a lot of people really buying into the vision because we were kind of selling directly to the folks in our community who were brand evangelists of the concept of local on their, within their own company too. Uh, so that was, it was a really, again, next big important piece of bedrock to be laid in the, in the brand. All right. So a, a picture is starting to emerge here by starting with great product, filling it at the time, avoid in the market and then attaching this local message to it and fulfilling on it by it is made from local ingredients and we're selling it at a local farmer's market. You end up unintentionally, I would think, uh, recruiting brand evangelists. Only those brand evangelists are many of whom sound like are going to be local community leaders. And so now you end up in, you know, people are buying, I love like, hey, I'm buying a case for my run club. You know, they're, it's going into local community organizations. Ah, and now you start getting into local community cafes. And the whole thing is available online as well for people to to buy and ship with convenience and share. And so or once we get that far, it's, you know, initially you're making it yourself in your kitchen. How do you make that? When and how do you make that jump to manufacturing? Like, cause that's the part that scares the heck out of me. As it should. <laughs> As it should. We, in 2014, when I became pregnant with my daughter, uh, I, you know, the visual that I paint for people is that I was literally, you know, I had, my belly was getting in the way of rolling out pans of bars, right? I was like physically incapable of doing it at this point. Um, and we really needed some support on the manufacturing side. So for those not in the food and beverage space, uh, somebody that you partner with to do your manufacturing for you is usually called a co-packer, contract manufacturer. Um, so we were actually inbounded. This is a theme for us inbounded by this social enterprise organization here in Nova Scotia that employs adults with barriers to the mainstream workforce in a bakery program. And they were looking for more work for their participants. And, and they called me and said, Hey, you know, we've heard that you guys are growing really quickly, wondering if you need some help on the manufacturing side. And I remember like sitting I was in my company vehicle at the time because I was still working full time and I was like eight months pregnant. I remember just like sitting in a parking lot, having gotten this call on my like flip phone or something <laughs> and just like sobbing tears of joy. Cause I was like, Oh my God, thank God. I'm like finding a solution because honestly I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I didn't really have a plan. Um, I just knew that this business was continuing to grow and I was going to keep doing it for as long as I could. Um, but of course I went down and visited this bakery and connected with, um, this organization called the flower cart group. And we got together and we made some bars over the course of a couple of days and, and spending time in their bakery and seeing these like the local honey come in and the blueberries and the chocolate and the oats and all of these things come into this bakery from the local farmers and food producers and then get turned into bars by adults who maybe for the first time in their lives are experiencing like dignified, gainful employment. And it's making an incredibly positive impact on their lives. I'm seeing these bars go out the door now to retailers and saying like the impact that is being created through multiple layers of this, of this bars creation and existence is, is incredible. And nobody else is doing anything like this. And I know there's people who 
who would value this in their lives. So that first um, foray into co-manufacturing was with a social enterprise bakery in 2014. And we grew in partnership with that social enterprise from 2014 all the way up until about a month ago. And it was an, and continues to be a really, really beautiful um, partnership. And I joked earlier about manufacturing being a, uh, being a lot. I say that as I sit in our own currently, our very own manufacturing facility that just got up and running in the last few weeks uh, here in Nova Scotia as well. So we've taken it in-house because we needed um, more capacity, <laughs> as is a the theme. Uh, and it's been incredible. It is incredible. I mean, both the, the timing, um, how aligned with uh, the values this manufacturer was for you, your co-packer, um, and then you know how you were able to work with and and stay with them for many years and now have moved on to establishing your own manufacturing facility which that that sounds even scarier though i assume with with experience how was it were you, you feeling good about it i mean i i would say how is it uh we're in the belly of the beast right now kurt it is uh really intense but amazing and i think you know a theme that continues to shine throughout the course of the made with local story is how important people are, you know, and community. We bought a building from our original peanut butter supplier. So there was a little peanut butter factory in a small town in Nova Scotia called Windsor. And the couple that ran it for 30 years, a couple named Dave and Connie decided they wanted to retire there in their early seventies. And they called us up and said, Hey, Sheena, you know, have you ever thought about, you know, purchasing a manufacturing facility? And immediately I was like, yes, like, <laughs> Yes, we're doing it. Um, because, of course, I'm not one to pass up on a sentimental full circle moment. Um, and the timing was just impeccable, right? We knew that we needed to scale and we were kind of, um, you know, the folks at the flower cart group, rightfully so, they're like, listen, guys, like this, you're growing faster than, than we can kind of handle. And they were really excited to hear that we were going to carry on the kind of legacy that we built together on in this new site. So, we're in it right now. Our team is absolutely incredible. I can't say enough positive things. I'm literally looking through a window in our boardroom onto the production floor right now and just, <laughs> they don't know I'm talking about them. Um, but it's been amazing. And uh, we've been able to grow our company exponentially in the last quarter. We did, um, we were, yeah, we're growing very quickly um, at this time and scaling into thousands of more retailers across Canada uh, in the last few weeks. So, um, yeah, yeah. Not without some tears shed and, and lumps and bumps, of course, but, uh, but yeah, we're just really, really proud of, of where we've gone to so far. No, as you should be hearing you tell it, it, it is easy to say like, oh, she got lucky over and like repeatedly. And when you see that where it's like, oh, it just seems like opportunities keep dropping in this person's lap. They must be lucky. I think that's, that's where I start thinking about this concept. Uh, I learned about in a Ted talk years ago, which is a luck sale. And it's you know, when you make it clear to the universe through, you know, through personal branding, through messaging, through networking, through conversations, what you're about, what you're looking for, and that's clear to other people. Well, then obviously you become top of mind when for people when these opportunities arise. And so like being so uh, focused on being hyper local, I think there there were network effects to that that have really benefited you from beginning to now through this journey. Yeah. And I think 
a value that's really important to us here at Made With Local too is, is trust, right? Trust and transparency. Um, transparency, of course, in the supply chain and in our production partnerships. And, you know, we're even on our social media, like you're getting behind the scenes peaks all the time. We're very open and transparent with our community and, and trust, right? And that's so important uh, in this day and age to consciously foster for your brand. Um, and I think it's really, you know, it's, it's been really impactful for us to, to focus on building trust and transparency with our online community. And so, to, so to do that, like you, it's clear that your values are being ethical, transparent, sustainable, it's consumer packaged goods and you're shipping it nationally as you scale it, as you grow, what challenges are you facing? How hard is it? Like when it's smaller, it certainly feels like it's going to be easier to, you know, to stick to your values. Yeah. I think a lot of the slower growth that we experienced in those sort of middle years were the years that we spent ensuring that, um, you know, the flavors that we were selling were ones that we were confident, you know, had that scalability factor through supply chain and that we built again, strong relationships with our community and, and just knew that, um, we were going to try and build something for the long haul. You know, that's been something that's, has been really important to us for sure. You're a certified B Corp, right? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that we have been rigorously assessed, uh, through every nook and cranny of the business for the level of uh, sustainable and ethical practices and processes that we have in place here at Made with Local. And, uh, it, is yeah, it's a really intense certification process. One of the best pieces of um, kind of feedback we've ever gotten about it from a customer was like, "Oh yeah, I know that if a company's B Corp, they're not <laughs> they're not messing around. Like nobody in their right mind would do the B Corp certification just for shits and giggles. It's not uh, it's not fit for anybody looking into greenwashing." Um, so yeah, it's a really intense program where every uh, facet of your business is put through uh, a, an assessment. And at the end, you are given a score out of 200. You need a score of 80 to pass. Um, there's only, I think, even less than 5,000 B Corps in the world. And uh, and for the average business, if, to take a B Corp assessment, they would score somewhere in the you know, 50-ish range where you need an 80 to pass. And we, on our most recent assessment, you get reassessed every three years. And we just had our three-year assessment. We're landing somewhere in the vicinity of 140, um, which is in amongst the top 5 or 10th percentile of B Corps in the world. Accidents happen. Maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme. Or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake. Common myth. Shopify is a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store. Untrue, they don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind to equip your Shopify store with automated backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix and Movement Watches. It's even a Shopify Plus certified app. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Find it in the Shopify App Store or visit rewind.com. All right, so certainly uh, your your money, your business practices are on message or you're putting your money where your mouth is. I'm fascinated by this this certified B Corp concept because like when I see certifications and badges um, and claims, it, 
I'm skeptical. I'm suspicious. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so we've been you know discover like oh that thing you thought was right for the environment actually you know you'd be better off just like setting a bonfire in your backyard like greenwashing <laughs> is a just a horrible horrible thing that that companies do what give me a couple examples of what this 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 b corp certification looks like in practice like you said it, it sounds like it is just really painful well, and I wanted to mention too like you're absolutely justified in having those feelings and I think greenwashing is especially rampant in the, like, I'll use air quotes here, the natural wellness category or that kind of organic section of the grocery store is especially, um, you know, can can at times be more um, vulnerable to that. So an example of a B Corp question. So uh, for us, you know, there's, there's five sections to the assessment. Um, they want to know, you know, how well are your workers being paid? Is that in line with local living wages? What is the gap in wages between your lowest paid employee and your highest paid employee um, for local ingredient sourcing, which is something obviously that we're very dialed into. They want to know how many of your suppliers or how much money you're spending within a 200 mile radius of your um, location. They want to really understand, you know, how much money are you actually pumping back into the local economy? Um, and does that meet their threshold for being considered a locally impactful business? Um, everything from benefits and, uh, you know, there's just, there's a lot environmental stuff as well. Of course, you know, your waste management, your energy usage, like it's, it's, when I say it's, um, intense, it, it literally is, um, every single nook and cranny of your business, you are looking at through a magnifying glass and through the lens of sustainability and the highest standards of ethics. Um, So it's not only something that is used, I think, in business to kind of grade your past or current behaviors, but it's also really powerful to use it as a future roadmap. So as we continue to grow our business, you know, I look to the B Corp platform to understand, okay, well, you know, HR wasn't really much of a thing when we're a three-person company, but now we're a 15-person company. What are the B Corp best practices for HR? What are the B Corp best practices for now owning a manufacturing facility instead of it just being a partnership that's kind of third party? So it's really, uh, I think that's where the juice of B Corp is as a, as a founder, is using their um, deep community connections and established um, standards as a roadmap of growth for the future. Obviously, it aligns with your values and customers who are aware like it. It sounds like you've done a lot of your growth through wholesale. And, you know, you mentioned like you're you're getting Costco now. Um, we're, we're expanding intentionally and thoughtfully through that channel. Does having that B Corp certification, do you think that makes you more attractive uh, to wholesale, to retail? I think certain channels value it or certain retailers value it more than others. I would say the Costco customer probably is like, you know, probably a lower priority on their list potentially. Uh, But there are other retailers that absolutely, you know, it's a big selling feature for us and to them. And uh, to the point where even certain retailers are setting up, you know, B Corp sections or have events around B Corp month, which is in March every year. Uh, So it is, it's absolutely gaining steam. Um, I find, especially on the West Coast, which is no surprise to anybody, um, I think there still needs to be some development in our neck of the woods here on the East Coast. But it's something that, you know, we're really proud to be kind of part of as an, as an OG adopter. Um, and I think, you know, riding it out and proving that it's something year over year that we're doubling down on is going to be a competitive advantage um, in the future when, as, as it continues to pick up steam. Oh, 100%. Uh, the, all right. So you, 
you said uh, you were on, you had an online store early. It was on WordPress or WooCommerce, and it, currently it's on Shopify. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm looking at your site. Just, I recognize it. I swear this is this is Parallax by Out of the Sandbox. Did it you is. do this yourself? <laughs> Uh, yes, I sure did. Um, yeah, it's pretty basic. Uh, it's on parallax. Yeah. It's just like, I think a pretty, pretty basic experience, but I mean, she's done well. Don't get me wrong. We've grown our e-commerce really significantly over the last few years, uh, with that little site. We are in the process right now of, um, putting up a custom site on the, on the, with the Shopify backend, of course. So, um, I'm really excited for that to roll out because I'm just, see so many opportunities for improvement um, on my work that I've done <laughs> over the last couple of years. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's really exciting. I will say, you know, everyone who sets up their own store, like immediately is their, also their worst critic. I think the site, uh, I think it, it totally works. I think it looks great. And I, the, the thing that you did that really brings it to life, you know, I, it's like, it's clean, it's on brand, it's on message. But you took the the packaging. You know, the packaging has these really great illustrations. And throughout the site as backgrounds, I see those the packaging illustrations. I see that those colors, those fonts come through. And that's really what makes it a, a cohesive experience. That's like the easy hack that I think people miss when they're they're setting up their their themes. It's like if you already hired the package designer, get you've got that illustrator file, that all the everything you need. To make a really fancy site is hiding right in that file. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we've worked, we actually just recently refreshed our brand pretty significantly. Um, and we only just launched that in September. So we're working with an amazing agency based in Maine called Pulp and Wire. And uh, they've been awesome to deal with. And exactly that, you know, they revamped our packaging look on the cartons and on the bar pouches and just hand over a big fat file with all the little illustrations and little odds and ends that we've been able to go then and and put on you know every little piece of marketing material that you then really realize you have to update um and they're, they're also the ones who are supporting us on the website relaunch as well so we're yeah really excited to bring that out in the world early in the new year uh, i'll put the link to their site in their show notes i just fired it up awesome. it looks like it's a great looking site uh it looks like they do like all all food, all CPG. Yeah, they're spe- specifically natural CPG. And what I love about Pulp and Wire is they're like a female-founded agency with a ton of women on the team, and that's really rare. Um, and they've just absolutely knocked our brand refresh out of the park. I cannot say enough good things about Pulp and Wire. Um, and yeah, like we're just you know we started off with one project, and now it's like all right, let's just like take this thing to the moon. So we we're we're growing into all kinds of new projects in partnership with them. And on Shopify. Is there like a favorite app, like the one you can't live without, makes you money or like saves you so much time? I mean, Recharge is pretty great. <laughs> you can't really go wrong with with Recharge. Um, we've got a really strong monthly recurring um, community uh, on, on a subscription platform. So that's been awesome. Um, yeah, I would say that's the one that I, I also interface with the most. We use Stamped for our reviews, which is also good. Um, but yeah, I would say Recharge is the one that gets the most uh, most action at Made with Local. And so, all right, so our two, we've got, because I saw you, you've got, you know, reviews throughout the site, which I think is important. Um, using Stamped. Stamp, I, I, I like a lot uh, as a reviews app. Like, reviews is an interesting space. There's you know, so many that do essentially the same thing. So you have, like, lots of good options. Um, but certainly Stamped is one of them. And you know, Recharge are the 
kind of the the OG uh, big player on subscriptions, especially yeah. for Shopify. When you have a consumable good, you know whether you're you're selling shampoo or you're selling uh, uh, food, that a hundred percent you should have a subscription program in place, right? Because to get that that predictable recurring revenue is just tremendous. You know, it really really smooths out a lot of the 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 revenue and forecasting issues that come along with um, selling a physical good. Yeah, absolutely. And like I mentioned earlier, we have some subscribers that have been getting monthly boxes of Made With Local Bars sent to their house for like five or six years. It's incredible. And and I love, you know, being able to really treat those people too. You know, we see them come up every month and it's just so awesome to be able to pick out the monthly recurring folks and just, you know, surprise and delight as much as we can because like you cannot ask for a more important customer than the people who've literally eaten thousands and thousands of bars over the course of the last few years. It's pretty incredible. The Now, when you started this, like at this point, there is no one who would argue with you that like this isn't a real business. But when you started it, you know, you described it as a side hustle and there ends up being a transition period in between side, hu- side hustle and where you're at now, where people might describe it. Uh, sometimes derisively as lifestyle business. How do you feel about that label? I have mixed feelings about that label because I use it to describe my own journey sometimes, but I also remember how much I fucking hated people when they called me that when I was at that stage of business. It's like, I'm like, I, I can call myself that, but don't you say that to me. It does feel like a trivializing. I, maybe it's also coming from, you know, an old white dude to a young female founder. It can feel like trivializing um, or paternalistic or something like that. Like, oh, look at this cute little thing you're doing. Nice little lifestyle business. When, you know, I think like, holy crap, for somebody to dial into a business that sustains them fully. And that is, that is what it does. And it, you know, doesn't gobble up every spare brain cell and moment that you have in your life and 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 it runs like that i think that's actually incredible um and if that's what kind of lifestyle business is defined as you know it's a one person show and you you work on it on your own and you take what you need from it and it does its thing i think that's a huge win we were again i keep saying this kind of pulled into the market um beyond that i probably would have been happy if i could have ran made with local as a one or two person uh show and i think honestly there are times right now where i'm like oh my god what are we doing this thing is a monstrosity um in the like in the context of where i ever thought it would be and you know you know sometimes you second guess if i'm being super vulnerable like just like is bigger always better and i don't know that it always is I can say where we're at right now, you know, 99% of the time I know that we're doing something really special and really impactful. And that's where the impact piece for me kind of helps me out of those, those tougher moments. Um, but yeah, so I do have, I have a, a mixed feeling uh, about the, the, the concept of, a, or being called a lifestyle business, but I think there's, I don't know, there's definitely, there's absolutely merit to it. And if somebody can rock it, all the power to them. Yeah. No, I like your approach to it. Like if I want to identify my own business as a lifestyle business, fine. For someone else to apply the label, I, I wouldn't do it. Much in the same way, like you couldn't pay me to ask your age. Like, you just, <laughs> Don't do it. Well, maybe, you know what? 
maybe lifestyle businesses need a rebrand because, you know, they can, maybe they've gotten a bad rap for being something historically that has been seen as this like cutesy little thing that nobody takes seriously. And maybe they should be thought of as actually an amazing model. If you, like I said, if you get everything you need from this business and it's sustaining you and it's not consuming your entire life and then some, like, That's why, wouldn't, why wouldn't anybody want that? <laughs> but you're right. It tends like, there is a lot of truth in what you said. Like I, I, I tend to see it applied more to uh, women-owned businesses, which is mm-hmm. certainly unfair. Like if it's a dude, it's like, oh, it's a side hustle or a startup. And then if it's a woman, it's like, oh, it's a lifestyle business. Absolutely. In that context, it ends up being coded language. Two other watchwords, like when you use lifestyle to describe how it could be um, diminishing, you use little and cute. If you have someone who describes what you're doing, whether it's your, your business uh, or something else as little, cute, or lifestyle, that person's low-key hater. Do not trust them. They are undermining <laughs> you. I have learned this with experience. Yeah, absolutely. Where do we go from here? What's next for Made with Local? We are riding the wave big time right now. We are scaling into Costco's, like I mentioned, right now in Eastern Canada. We just launched into a large chain here as well called Shoppers Drug Mart. They're a pharmacy chain with 900 locations. Uh, We just launched into them with four of our SKUs, which their buyers told us, I'm using air quotes here, was the largest launch they've ever done of a brand not called Cliff. Um, So that is incredible. We've just gotten those orders at the door in the last couple of days. And yeah, we're really looking forward to continuing to drive velocity, which is a big focus for us right now. You know, we've got incredible distribution in Canada. We're in 3000 stores and counting right now. And we just really want to crush it within these Canadian retailers um, in the next 12 to 18 months. Beyond that, we will be setting our sights on the U.S. Um, on a you know a very strategic entry, probably into the northeastern U.S. because that's our neck of the woods. You know, we're we're on the east coast. Um, that will be the next big leap for us in the probably 20, eighteen to twenty-four months range. And uh, and we've got some really exciting innovation coming down the pipeline in the next couple of uh, months to a year as well. So, no rest, Kurt. We're just. I was going to say, you hear that, haters? <laughs> Who's got a lifestyle business now? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, all right, I need some of these bars. Where do I go? How can I get made with love food bars? Uh, so we can ship into the U.S. Uh, and we do all the time. We, despite like actively ignoring our beautiful American neighbors online, we still get like weekly e-com orders from American customers, which is super cool. Um, so you can find them online for now. That would be your main route in the U.S. And then in Canada, I was joking with somebody the other day saying, honestly, you in Canada, you have to kind of work hard to not find our product. <laughs> At this point, we you would have to find you'd have to work pretty hard not to bump into a made with local bar. Um, we're in every major grocery um, chain here, and again, like I mentioned, Shoppers Drug Mart, and of course online. So, yeah, fabulous, fantastic. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna order some, get my hands on some. Uh, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed this. I think you know, what you're doing is is amazing. Um, and I loved hearing about your journey. Sheena Russell, madewithlocal.com. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kurt. Hold up. Stop what you're doing. Go log in your Shopify store. You there yet? Okay, check your apps. How many do you have installed right now? More important, how much money are you paying for those apps every month? Here's the reality. Most Shopify store owners are managing dozens of marketing apps, but you don't necessarily need all those apps to drive sales. 
That's why I recommend my friends at Privy. With the Privy app, you can take advantage of at least five apps in one. Manage all your website conversion, list growth, email, and SMS marketing all in one place. Yes, that also includes features like countdown timers, cross-sell campaigns, free shipping bars, abandoned cart emails, you name it. This thing is powerful. So save the time, money, and headaches from toggling between dozens of apps and get Privy today.